Blog Talk Radio. Okay, welcome to the People's Medicine Show. This is a monthly show. My name is Sean. I'm the host. I pick exciting topics. This this month I picked uh, the plant that produces cherries, which is in the almond family. Um, a friend of mine told me that she got sick from eating too many cherries, and I'm reminded that the plants in the almond family have a constituent that's related to the poison cyanide. Oh, you're in there. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, this this month I'm at my neighbor's house, and we're, we have wind chimes and people in the background. And, um, yeah, it's kind of not my place to tell people not to talk. <laughs> but um, I'm listening to wind chimes here, and I'm off the grid. I just moved to a new... Uh, location down at a lower elevation on this mountain. So I'm planning to walk over and go completely off-grid. This is my first time doing it by cell and not using a Wi-Fi connection. So I'm at 82%, and I'm going to just take a walk over, and perhaps we'll get to hear some other natural sounds. So I have a great All right, let's see how much I can stay. Okay. So one of the things that I'm <laughs> So that is one of the things that the the new house that I'm staying at has um, chickens, and they just showed up. And I've been playing around with them. I'm a city boy. I'm not familiar with how to raise chickens. So these are just wild birds that have found my yard to be their new home. So I went to the store, and I got some grit and some basic chicken chow. So I'll throw food at them. And I've noticed that one of the chickens will eat while the other one stands guard. So there are like predator animals. And it was funny because they had a bunch of young uh, little chicks. And I was wondering whether if I gave them the... um. The food, oh, wow, I'm trying to walk and do a blog talk show at the same time. So, but yeah, what what occurred to me was, uh, hopefully I'm still getting some bars. So what occurred to me was, by feeding these wild birds, was I making them more prone to be attacked by predators? So yeah, that's something I've been trying to decode, and I walked away from where I had some bars, so I'm probably going to go back and finish the show in a drier spot, so yeah, I'm still getting plenty of bars here, and it just started to drizzle, (laughs) so now I'm going to go back to, to where there's some shelter. It's funny, though, that all this electronics is waterproof. And I'm going to continue to walk. So I'm on the property that I uh, bulldozed last year, and I'm looking at some of the plants, and I've yet to be able to identify many of them. I know the uh, one uh, Hawaiian nettle plant that's here is quite, and I think... Somebody actually planted it here. I'm not too sure if it just volunteered, but it is a remarkable sight looking at this property one year after the bulldozing. It's perhaps maybe 14 months after the bulldozing, and there's all these wonderful weeds and grasses, and um, the earth just repairing itself by using more... um, 
of itself to just replant itself. And all this exposed ground is slowly but surely just being covered with grass. And it was just bare rock. And even from one year, it seems to be more of like a gravel now. So yeah, I'm not too sure. I think my friend wants to make dinner. So I'm not going to use his porch. I guess I'll just jump in the car and continue to blog talk from the car. I am hands-free. Trying not to get hurt walking. So this has been a good blog talk. I have two hours to do the show. And I'm really excited that um, I am truly uh, cellular and no longer on a Wi-Fi. So perhaps I'll do the show in all kinds of different locations. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the show mobile, Gary. <laughs> Let me. I'll, I'm gonna come back though and get the plug. <laughs> in the car now, honey. So that was my neighbor, Lily, and she wanted to know why I put the computer on the top of the roof. And, um, so we'll go back over to the property. And I'll use the vehicle as a rain protector so I can uh, still stream while it's, while it's drizzling out. a month. I bought my first weed whacker, and then I'm now we're also in the process of installing my first entry gate.
Okay, so this is the People's Medicine Show. Where where are we at? We're at ten minute mark, so perhaps I'll have to edit this part out where we got off to a late start because <laughs> it started drizzling out at, at precisely the time I was thinking of taking the show on a little nature walk through the big island up at uh, 3,500 feet uh, above sea level. So this has been a – I lost my notes. Okay, here we go. So, yeah, I wrote some notes for this month, and I'm excited to play these clips that I uh, curated. The first clip is from the Joe Rogan experience. So, anyway, I think I'll, I'll wrap up the wild crafting chickens idea. So, I um, – started out with these chickens that just showed up in my house and I've gotten to the point where they will not shit no more on my concrete stoop and they know that they have um, firm boundaries because I think at first I felt like Dr. Doolittle when I was like, oh, let let the chickens just roam where they want to roam. But then when they started shitting on my concrete stoop, I was like, no, um, that's not part of the, the plan here. So I, it is kind of fun that I got to the part with not worrying about um, <laughs> what um, it, it is really funny though that that was my main goal was then not to shit on my concrete stoop, but um I was just treating them like a city boy by um just going into um you know, going into the store and buying bird food and putting it out for them and realizing that they should be eating worms and, and bugs and these centipede things that can bite. I was I was bringing up soil from the lowlands today, and there was a, uh, one of those uh, horrible uh, creatures that, that are known as centipedes here, and um, they bite. So, you, you know, I've yet to really... <laughs> have a horrible experience, but I think today was the actual first time I've ever been up close and saw one. And I've seen variations of them when I've uh, visited South America and Peru. So let's see if um, the blog talk. Um, okay, so I think I'm still connected here. Yeah. And we're going to talk. Um, this was um, Alan Levinovitz. And it was from the July 8th episode of the Joe Rogan experience. And it just was like, it was something I made a note of. I was like, hey, let me um, go ahead and um, mark that down and, and play it for this month's show. Because I have been in this spot where um, I've been just sort of unplugging. I live in this new home that has limited cell reception and um, no Wi-Fi, no fiber optics, no no more like virtual connections and e easy to be able to do uh, digital communication. So basically I have to leave the property even just to check email and stuff and to do a blog talk show. I'm, I'm leaving the rental property where I'm living right now. So I, um, yeah, so to do my blog talk show successfully, it, it requires me to get out and uh, get away from the home that I'm living in now. Uh, what's really interesting is since I've moved into this home, I listen to a nightly uh, Twitch stream, which for some reason comes through on the T-Mobile uh, connection, and I dance every single night in this new location. It makes you wonder if, like, the old house, I just didn't feel like dancing that much. And at this house, it seems like I dance every single night. And it really is something. You know, I think there is something about geography and a space and a place and which puts me in the mood to dance. Like, I thought I always liked to dance. I don't think I've ever said I stopped like to, liking to dance. But at this new house, I'm dancing every single night. Uh, thanks to the beautiful musicians and music live music that I can uh, listen to every night. And I'm six hours behind the uh, East Coast time zone, so it's about quarter to two in the afternoon right now. So about 6 p.m., there's some Australian and New Zealander uh, music streamers that come on, and I, I just tune into them like Walter Cronkite each night. 
But um, the, the next stream actually shows that, yeah, uh, having uh, a set time where you're exploring these dopamine regions and <laughs> in, instead of always having your phone plugged in at all times. And I really enjoyed this interview on the Joe Rogan Show. I don't know. Um, I just wanted to share it with people. So I'm going to go ahead and play the um, the clip. And it is funny how... um. All right. So I titled this clip Mental Diabetes, and I think that's what Joe calls it. But then it also shows uh, when you're not exposed to different viewpoints and you're in some kind of opinions type of echo chamber, it does seem like it's making people mentally weak nowadays. So something I just really wanted to hit on strongly, I think it's a, an important um, point to um, – I listen to some weekly news shows, and they're mostly uh, uh, falling on the left uh, side of politics. So I'm always wondering what the other side is thinking, and not to be so dismissive when I do hear the other side. So this um, is a great clip. I think it's only about two and a half minutes, and I'll be back in a few. And, and this is really important, right? It's not just about natural, unnatural. It's not just about technology. We've had this kind of junk food information around forever. And this is where I think for me as a, as a scholar of religious studies, right? If you look at myths and folk tales and fairy tales, and if you look at the structure of religions, there are ways to tell stories to get people heightened. There are ways to tell stories to make people feel belonging. There are ways to tell stories to demonize people, right? These tropes have been, you know, have been around Forever, right? What do you do? You create a, a villain. You tell a story about redemption. You tell a story about a fall. You tell a story in which the people who are hearing the story, just by hearing it, become heroes, right? These are, these are things that have been around for a long time in the same way that if you go back 2,000 years, if you were super rich and had access to lots of delicious, salty, sugary, fatty food, you could get fat. It was just a lot harder, back then. And in the same way, now we've facilitated the manufacture of this kind of these these junk narratives that in small doses I think are fine. But if it's all we're consuming, it's a it's a disaster. And we're gonna end up, I think, with some kind of with some problems that are analogous to the health problems that we're seeing because of what we eat, except they're gonna be problems in our soul, right? Yeah, I mean we're gonna get mental diabetes. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. I mean it's I, I, I feel like it's a I mean, I'm not, I'm not like a sort of organized religious religion person myself, but I, I would say it's not just mental. It's like our souls. Mm. There's something deeply corrupting of our humanity. And I, and I catch myself doing it. So, like, so that tweet that you're talking about, I had, I had written a piece a week before that about Trump visiting, um, what's that, you know, visiting the church and holding up the Bible. It was yeah. this really angry piece. And I was like, I'm, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write about how terrible this is. Um, and, and, and put this out there, right, and well, do something. The way he set it up, too, yeah. by tear gassing right. all the was, protesters to clear uh, the area. I was like, what a, what a horrible thing, right? I'm going to tell everybody how horrible this is. I'm going to get my anger out. And then, I, and then when the article came out, I just realized that I was just sending it into the fucking machine, right? And it was going to get ground up, and the people who already agreed with it were going to read it and be like, yeah, it's terrible. And the people that disagreed with it are either never going to read it, or they're going to see it, and they're going to be like, see, people keep attacking Trump. Like, they're all crazy. And, right. and it... It was sort of like a crisis. I was just like, I don't want to, I don't want to be doing, I don't want to yeah. be putting anything into this machine if it's just going to get processed into junk information so that we can feed our habit. Okay, so <laughs> it's funny while the clip's playing. I'm not really concentrating on the clip. I've kind of gone beyond that subject of um, having an active mind and exposing yourself to diverse different opinions will keep myself in a mental state that gives me peace and doesn't make me bored with just listening to any one opinion. So, yeah, I'm still, uh, I think I mentioned it last month, I found a new weekly news show called uh, The Useful Idiots, and it's uh, put out by the Rolling Stone magazine. So, guys, 
been my main way of getting what's going on in the world, and I've been pretty much tuned off the daily dopamine train of knowing what's going on in the world. And um, last last week they had a really cool uh, interview with Robert Gallo. He's a world-renowned virologist. And I was, yeah, I recommend that you look up the Useful Idiots podcast if you're interested in a long-form um, news, current events, and a lot, lot of comedy uh, interjected in between. So the other thing that popped out in my head during while I was playing the clip was I wanted to continue on cherries and celebrate this wonderful, wonderful plant that gives us so much beautiful foods and um some herbalists even make a cherry bark syrup, which is uh, renowned to be um, a cough quieter and um, a soother when you're when you're sick. And um, yeah, so w- one of the recipes that I made that this past month uh, just absolutely blew my mind, and it's called cherry compote. And it's basically, you know, cherries and sugar. Take a pound of cherries and you take half the cherries and you cook them with the water and sugar. And I cooked them like three minutes on high in the Instant Pot and then just let the steam uh, natural release for about an hour. Then I took the other half of the cherries that were completely uh, pitted but completely uncooked and still raw, and I put them back in with the previously cooked down cherries. I added um, two tablespoons of cornstarch, and then I just simmered that, stirring nonstop for about 10 minutes. And the, uh, it's funny, I have this uh, thing on my computer that interrupted my flow. And <laughs> it's it's to remind me if I've been on the computer for too long, and it let me know that my laptop has been on for three hours today. So the um, yeah, so the ending of the cherry compote story is it's it's almost like maraschino cherries, where some of them are very ha- uh, still uh, hard and juicy, and then the other are just down to a syrupy, you know, very um you know macerated uh state and um yeah so cherry compote just blew my mind i've always just cooked all the cherries together and not you know held on to half of them and then just inserted those right at the end when you're thickening up thickening the syrup up with some cornstarch and that last simmer it probably took 10 minutes it was like making pudding where you're just constantly stirring nonstop. So that is my cherry compote story. I'm going to move on to another thing. So I've been thinking a lot about how um, the vagus nerve uh, influences our our whole state of being, really. It, it controls and influences so many different organ systems and just the whole flight or fight response or the rest and relax response, the uh, rest and digest response that the vagus nerve sort of is this um, sort of a regulator of that parasympathetic nervous system. So whenever I hear anything about the vagus nerve, my ears just perk right up. And what, what was cool was I was listening to the Dark Horse podcast, and there was an interview with a British dentist named Mike Mew, M-E-W. And he mentioned the vagus nerve, how it's uh, – involved with the carotid sheath and they're really understanding all these different disciplines are taking into account that the yeah the vagus nerve has some deep influence and to be able to come from that scientific viewpoint where you want to measure health and measure illness and measure discomfort that people experience um they they've been able to ignore the vagus nerve because it is very much um, when a person's lying prostate, um, their their vagus nerve is completely relaxed, and it's not taking into account when a person's sitting all day or in another odd um, sleeping um, position. So th- this is this clip is pretty short, 
But um, it kind of blew my mind. And if you're interested in the podcast, I think his name was Mike Mew, and it was uh, the Brett Weinstein Dark Horse podcast. So this is another three-minute clip, and I'll be back and perhaps um, be able to wrap up with the last segment. wasn't permanent. However, in the short term, it was fantastic. Now, I was sitting there trying to make sense of this when I heard of this Italian doctor. And these made sense because the types of the, the delay that Brendan was seeing was just about right for blood effect and a blood neurological effect. And so my idea is that what we're happening is particularly in the people who are attempting to use certain muscles in this area to swallow and maintain an open airway who lacks face because their faces drop down they're constricting the internal jugular and that is leading to this is with the suggestion where this is i think the link between alzheimer's and um sleep apnea they're both related to the same facial distortion it's also the suggestion with some of these ticks you know these ticks people have you know when you're swearing in the supermarket because you've got a tick you know, those are only suggestions. Um, and also, one of the things that really fascinated me was, you know, I, I remember going to Thailand years ago when I first qualified, and everyone had beautiful skin and straight teeth. Then I went back a few years later, and I noticed a few people had braces. And it was just amongst the few people with braces that they also had some facial acne. And the facial acne was limited precisely to the drainage of the lymphatics from the face. Now, that lymphatics is also going down that same carotid sheath. So my suggestion is we've got this constriction on the carotid sheath that's leading to other problems. But again, I, you know, I'm, I, I want to hold back because, you know, I don't want to sound like I've got the cure to everything. No, 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 no. You, don't worry. You're among friends here. This story makes a great deal of sense to me, which doesn't mean that you've got it right or wrong. But I know... This style of thought is the one that solves big problems. Lots yeah, of stuff yeah. is going to be downstream of the same single error. And trying and to make sense of the outliers will tell you how it works. Yeah. And also, the other thing going down this carotid sheath, of course, is the vagus nerve. And, of course, if you squeeze the vagus nerve, you're going to ramp up your sympathetic system. And what do we notice in so many people today? They've ramped up their sympathetic system. The parasympathetic, that calming effect from the vagus nerve. all the way, They call it the vagus because it's the vagabond. It's the traveler. It just goes off all the way around your body, particularly to the internal organs, calming them down. And I think that and the problem with this whole thing is that if you put someone in, you lie them flat to put them in a scanner, you ain't going to see it. Because it's only affecting when you're standing or you're a supine and you're engaging these muscles to maintain an airway. Yeah, so that was British dentist Mike Mew. If you're interested, it was a long-form interview on the Dark Horse podcast, uh, Brett Weinstein's. So I just love how um, they're able to um, connect meditation with increased uh, wellness amongst people. And I think it really much has to do with um, positioning. And when people, you know, um, put themselves into a familiar, comfortable position on a regular basis, and this would probably extend to the Muslim religion that lies prostate three times a day in, in a devout construct. But, yeah, it just really blows my mind how um, the the down dog is just like the core of yoga practice. And it does put your um, breathing apparatus and the whole esophageal windpipe and everything just in a nice, straight, beautiful, aligned way and um, influences the blood flow in a certain way. And just it messes with me just to understand that that vagus nerve when it's constricted it really makes people freak out 
And um, then when people relax and they breathe in a, in a rhythmic way, that they're able to um, completely, um, you know, chill <laughs> in, in any other word, you know, that, that the vagus nerve is the, the chill factor. And um, so I hope it's helpful to people out there that perhaps is, are struggling with anxiety and understand that perhaps the esophageal, uh, I, I keep saying esophageal, but that whole part that extends down into the organ system from the throat down is the vagus nerve. And um, it really does have this amazing um, thing that they've not even started to measure. And that's what blew my mind, you know, is when he understood that they, they can't even measure it because when the scanners that they would have to, that would even be able to measure it don't really work because you're lying in a flat way and they're not seeing any of these influences come out. So I think it was a big idea and it was enough to bring it to this show and um, perhaps more people will um, get turned on to, you know, the influence of what the vagus nerve is all about. And as an herbalist, I think it's all about demulcents and keeping yourself juicy and moisturized and um, not too dried out. And so I think that demulcent herbs have always been a very calming um, force for me. And I've always wondered, I think it has some kind of influence to that whole um, esophageal passageway that um, dries out and perhaps can become inflamed and form into some kind of um, cyclic thing where... Um, <laughs> so... The last thing, the last big idea that I really want to talk about on this month's show is uh, something I read in Mother Earth News. It was from last year. I have a big stack of Mother Earth News. And when I was, oh, yeah, it's so funny. So the reason I went back to the Mother Earth News um, magazine articles was I wanted to read everything I could find about chickens and how to raise chickens and how to, like, you know, just do it naturally and, not have to buy too many things or fuss too much. So I found out the local people that provide the ch uh, chicks, if you do want to have chicks on this island, they do vaccinate them. And I think I would, if I ever did officially buy some, you know, get chicks, I would get them all pre-vaccinated. And um, I wouldn't want to uh, infect um, the beautiful wild birds that, probably will drift into the yard anyway and, and mix in with the uh, store-bought, quote, store-bought chicks that I could get. So that's down the line. I'm not planning to buy chicks yet, but I learned about, hey, if you do want chickens, this is the place to go, and they're the only ones that, you know, use a vaccination at a reasonable price and, you know, just start, out, start off on a good, on a good footing and not have diseased birds. So the other book that I was able to read was on uh, Juliette de Barack Levy has a book, uh, the handbook for farm and stable, and she had a poultry section. And I just love Juliet's style. Again, she's really meticulous about being clean and just keeping things nice. And um, she, she'll, she has all these disinfectant methods and, you know, but she said, yeah, just lay down some par pine bark and, I don't really have the book with me to read from it, but um, I don't know what that, I don't know what kind of um, noises that these machines are making, but um, oh, I hope um, I'm not connected by Bluetooth. <laughs> I probably am. <laughs> no, I'm not. So, yeah, so... Uh, so I read everything I could read about chickens this month, and now I'm just enjoying them, and I've gotten them to stay off my concrete stoop and not shit all over my house. But it does make you wonder because I've heard that chicken poop, if, it, if it's in a dusty area, could get blown into your um, lungs, and it's not something you want. So chickens are disease-carrying, and there's things to worry about, you know, that I'm going to continue to um, keep the chickens in that part, in a part of the yard where I'm not going to get their chicken poop blown, blown into my house. 
So that's the basic um, things that I'm needing to learn and to um, worry about or just to be concerned about and perhaps do something about to keep chicken poop from blowing into my house when things get dry. So perhaps it may be just uh, laying down some nice uh, pine bark and having a spot for them where they're comfortable in the shade and um, so they're not roaming around where there's gravel and where it's, um, yeah. And so I wouldn't want to feed them or put out any food in the dry part of the yard. So I don't want them pooping in that dry part of the yard that could turn to dust. So that is my only concern about chickens is I don't want to be inhaling their poop. So um, I uh, found this article on, in Mother Earth News but when researching for chickens, and I was blown away by it because it's totally what I've been seeking lately. And I'm um, doing outdoor work and building all these cannabis gardens and even just preparing uh, bubble hash and all the the movements that it takes of filling water buckets and then picking buckets up and dumping water out and all this thing, it um, seems like there's an efficient way to move and I'm being very conscious of just trying to save energy and to think of the most efficient workflows and even the places where I store items, you know, just to not have so much movement looking for things. And uh, so that's what I've been designing in my own life just to and then gardening, I totally want all my gardens to be raised where I don't even have to bend over. And perhaps that will be a reality someday. We'll see. <laughs> but, yeah, I use a, I use a little uh, folding chair uh, when I need to stoop. And that is such a saver, you know, because I do a lot of squatting also. But a, a little bit of squatting, a little bit of the folding chair, um, not too much of any one movement. So I'm going to go ahead and just read this article verbatim. It's a short article, but it's really wonderful. And um, I think it's the right article. Okay, it's called Bring, Bring Garden Movement Into Your Life. Move with intention through your garden routine to stretch and strengthen long-forgotten muscles. Bodybuilder Sam Sycamore fell head over heels for farming after suffering a biking accident that left him unable to continue his intense gym regimen. Weakness in his elbow led to chronic pain in his shoulder, and before long he realized he couldn't quite sustain his intense routine of biking, swimming, and weightlifting that had compri comprised his exercise routine for years. My injuries forced me to confront difficult decisions about how and why I use my body, he says. <clears throat> Farming had once been something he thought he'd pursue in the distant future, but as he considered his health, his plans shifted. He decided to lease a quarter-acre garden and a couple of acres of pasture to start up a small-scale specialty crop operation outside his Louisville, Kentucky outside of Louisville, Kentucky. Sycamore realized that doing chores around the farm traded repetitive gym exercises for more complex and useful set of movements. In essence, he could move his body in more healthful ways than he ever did as a bodybuilder. We know about the dietary and financial benefits offered by fresh, organically grown produce from our own fields and backyards. But when we begin to think of and use the garden as our own personal gym, those benefits multiply. Movement permaculture. Introducing dynamic whole body movements through work in your garden is a concept that Katie Bowman, biomechanist and author of the book Movement Matters, calls movement permaculture. Bowman calls typical gym movements, which focus on select muscle groupings and are typically detached from the natural world, junk, quote, junk food movements. In the long term, these junk food movements aren't good for our bodies. To practice movement permaculture is to move in such a way that you can keep moving, often moving with higher range and quality for the rest of your life, she says. 
Okay, I'm um I I had to hit continue reading and I got lost. Okay, um Let's see. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um working <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> okay, um isn't that funny that I lost the spot? I I I hit the continue continue reading button and then I lost the spot. Okay, tools, quote, tools reduce movement diversity and change the distribution of movement over the body. They increase repetitive movements on our muscles, creating under and overuse depending on the tools used, Bowman says. Simply thinking, rethinking your approach to gardening will introduce what Bowman calls movement nutrients. Her recommendations include using different tools for one task, Working at different times of day, allowing your body to adapt to fluctuations in light and temperature. Gardening barefoot. Working alongside a young or novice gardener. Okay, ditch the junk food movements. When faced with questions about body movements, Sycamore turned to Jonathan Mead, founder of Uncaged Human and co-creator of Embodied Strength. Both programs help people use their bodies in ways that reduce pain and prevent injury. Mead offers the following tips for gardeners who want to move away from movement monoculture. Switch positions often. Gardeners often hunch over or work in positions that use the same groups repeatedly. This is a recipe for pain. My mantra is the next position is the best position. Mead says he recommends that gardeners move into a new position every two to three minutes. For example, when weeding or planting, start in a squat or modified squat with one or both heels raised. As you work, shift your weight back and forth between left foot and right foot. Later, move into a lunge using an arm for support. Before your muscles become weakened or tired, switch knees. After that, you can transition to your hands and knees. Consider using your less dominant hand. You're giving your body a little more variety, and that's going to lead to longevity over time, which means you'll be able to garden longer, Mead says. Okay, the next section is tap into your central power. Mead often observes gardeners using smaller muscle groups their arms, for example, when hoeing and harvesting. This leads to muscle burnout. He recommends employing larger muscle groups, such as the torso and hips, to tap into the energy and ability to keep moving over much longer periods. When weeding or harvesting, pull from your torso while your arm acts as a lever. For hoeing, keep your feet planted on the ground and move from your hips. If you're hunched over and using your arms, you aren't using your largest muscles, he says. If you're able to use rotation in your hips, it'll create a lot more leverage. Next section, stack your joints. When digging into the soil to plant transplants or yank out weeds, most gardeners only use their arms. This can quickly fatigue muscles and leave gardeners prone to injury from repetitive motions. However, using your own weight when working takes pressure off these overused muscles. If you get your weight over the tool, it'll create a lot more leverage, Mead says. Think about your shoulder being over your wrist. Use gravity to your advantage. Keep loads close. Gardening season inevitably means lifting and carrying heavy loads. Mead advises holding loads close to the body to prevent stress on muscles and connective tissues. When lifting, unhinge from your hips, keeping your spine straight. I tell people to reach out with their tailbone, he says. Bending the knees gets, gets you closer to the ground while keeping your spine in line. Last section, stretch it out. Finally, end every gardening session with a period of stretching, paying particular attention to opening up your hips 
and encouraging flexibility in your back. Instead of doing static stretches, Mead recommends stretching like a rainbow. He says, move in a 360-degree range of motion so you can find that the area that needs to be opened up the most and then hang out there. Body language. Try the following dynamic stretches to release tension in multiple parts of the body. From a lunge position, reach back with the arm on the side of the leg that's lunging forward, creating a twist in the torso and stretch through the hips. Circle your arms to introduce shoulder mobility at the same time. Okay, and there's a section, really beautiful um, illustrations. Uh, do, the, do the yoga stretch known as downward facing dog. Invert your body into a V shape with your hands and feet on the ground and hips in the air. Be careful to keep your spine straight. This will increase your flexibility in your hips and shoulders while relieving tension in the spine. Okay, the next section is uh, keeping, your, keeping your back flat. Bend at the hips and push your arms out above your head and against a wall, creating a tabletop effect. Open your chest to get movement through your thoracic spine while also getting a stretch in your lower back and hamstrings. Um, the illustrations are absolutely f fabulous. Uh, totally recommend you look this up. It, uh, it's called Healthy Garden Movement from, you know, I think, uh, last, last year, 2019. Okay, so the la I think the other poses are tabletop and cat and cow. On your hands and knees, with your shoulders over your wrists and your hips over your knees, flex and arch your back in an alternating cat-cow pose. Think about articulating each vertebrae individually, starting at the sacrum. Okay. All right. So get in the garden. Depending on your goals for your garden, the size and terrain of your land, and the resources you have available your gardening activities and therefore the resulting movement can vary drastically. However, paying attention to your body and moving with intention through your garden space can have a positive impact on your health, allowing you to garden into advanced adulthood and even freeing up time and finances previously spent at the gym. Sycamore is constantly implementing these techniques to change up his movement in the garden. He says that even though he might not get the work done as efficiently, he feels better at the end of the day. The other, the other day I needed to plant beans. I'd been squatting all day pulling weeds, he says. I was feeling stiff and tight after being hunched over. So instead of crouching over the plant, over to plant the beans, I straddled in the bed in a warrior pose, moving my hips back and forth. It took me a, a little bit longer, but I didn't need to stretch out my knees and hips at the end of the day because I'd already incorporated my stretch into the work I was doing. When fully utilized, the garden can offer you more than just better nutrition. It can help you step out of a sedentary lifestyle. The aim is to feel comfortable, confident, and pain-free in an environment that typically strains your body. A slow and steady process. How do you go from a lifestyle of movement monoculture to one of movement permaculture? Bowman offers a three-step process for slowly working up to full body movements. For this example, let's focus on how the process applies to the arms remembering that you can apply this strategy to any muscle group. Step one, mobilize your muscles. Start off by warming up and stretching the areas you're going to work. For your arms, stretch the shoulders, forearms, and wrists, bearing no load besides the weight of your own body. <clears throat> Introduce light loads. If your goal is to be able to lift and carry 20-pound buckets of dirt for 25 feet, Start with real-life loads that are lighter. 
at the grocery, carry a basket rather than pushing a cart, and switch it back and forth between your arms as you shop. If you're already a member at the local gym, try doing real-world functional exercises. Instead of using weights, grab a sandbag and slowly increase the, the amount of weight you carry. <clears throat> Step three, increase weight and add complex movements. Work on bending, sitting, and standing with the load. Reduce sitting time to allow your legs to carry more weight more often. Walk on more complex terrain that isn't flat and smooth. <laughs> Try pairing your movements with a slight twist. I had to laugh because um, in Hawaii, the, there is no um, flat terrain. And, um, yeah, you really you learn intention. You learn to walk with intention here or else you can get really hurt. Uh, I think I was living here two months, and I kicked a lava, lava rock at night. I was wearing flip-flops, and if I was walking with intention, I would not have swung my foot as hard into that dark, uh, invisible <laughs> lava rock that was in front of me. But, um, yeah, it really hurt, and I had a sore toe for about a, a year, and I, um, I definitely walk a lot more careful these days. Uh, living on the Big Island for about three years, coming up on three years, two and a half. <laughs> so um, this has been the People's Medicine Show. I'm going to come back next month and do it again. Uh, it was really fun to uh, walk around and do it sort of in a portable way. And uh, perhaps I'll go back to uh, pre-recording more of it. So I'm not so, uh, you know, I was I was pretty. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know what to say. I was really at pause several times during this this month's show. I'm not looking at the uh, blog talk um, dashboard, but nobody called. But um, it was a great show. I'll be back next month in September on the first Thursday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Okay, a little bit more housekeeping. If you want to communicate with me, uh, my name is Sean, S-E-A-N. Uh, Mernin, M-U-R-N-I-N. Uh, you could follow me or message me on Facebook. And there's a special email address for this show. It's peoplesmedicineshow at gmail.com. So you can send clips, uh, music, uh, anything you want me to play. Uh, the show's usually about two hours if I have a lot of content to share. So this this month, if I got some submissions, I would play more. I would, I would, it would be a longer show, but I was on for almost an hour, and um, I'm pretty happy with everything I shared, and uh, have a great um, rest of the summer, and um, yeah, please uh, try the cherry compote recipe, uh, three minutes in the Instant Pot, and then simmer for 10 minutes uh, after it cools, all right. I'll um, be back next month. Bye-bye.